3: Hi, guys. Um, the hearing is still, uh, Judge Corsage's hearing is ongoing, and uh, considering the significant attention, I'm going to try to keep this a little on the shorter side today. Um, the President's making a full day of progress towards some of his biggest promises that he's made to the American people. This morning, he met with the House Republican Conference members on Capitol Hill ahead of the House's scheduled vote on the American Health Care Act, which is currently scheduled for Thursday. During the meeting, the, uh, the President reminded members of the House conference that repealing and replacing Obamacare has been a promise that Republicans have been making to voters for years. Members made it clear that if the voters have made it clear that if voters put a Republican in the White House and continue Republican majorities in the House and the Senate, that we would repeal uh, and replace this ill-advised uh, and legislation. And for every member who pledged the American people that they would deliver on their promise, this is really their chance. This is the repeal of Obamacare that Republicans have been working on for years, and voters have been waiting for this for some time. On Thursday, as the House gathers on the floor and casts their votes for the ACH, it'll exactly be seven years after President Obama has signed Obamacare into law. We're hoping to make this the last anniversary that Americans will have to endure Obamacare. Republicans have been working to repeal and replace this misguided law ever since. And now, under President Trump, we'll finally be able to take the step forward towards fundamental reform of our healthcare system. I think most Americans remember the lines that were used to sell Obamacare seven years ago. If you like your doctor, you can keep your doctor. If you like your healthcare plan, you'll be able to keep your healthcare plan. But for millions of Americans, those lines proved to be nothing more than empty promises. Plans that their families had relied on for years were suddenly canceled. Premiums and deductibles skyrocketed, leaving many who had plans unable to actually use them and insurers fled the marketplace. Nearly one in five Americans only have one insurer offering plans on their Obamacare exchange. President Trump and Republicans in Congress will keep their promise by reforming the system once and for all. And that's exactly what we're doing with the American Health Care Act which, along with the additional legislative and administrative action that is part of the three-prong approach that we continue to outline, will finally give all Americans the health care system they deserve, where market-based competition leads to more affordable, higher-quality health care opportunities. This is an ongoing process, and the President has made it clear to Congress that they should be open to incorporating some of the common-sense policy proposals that have been suggested by members in both chambers who share their commitment to improving the health care system. To that end, the House introduced several technical and policy amendments to the legislation last night, which the President acknowledged on Capitol Hill this morning. They include delivering more immediate relief from Obamacare's taxes, accelerating the repeal of these taxes from 2017 rather than from 2018, and ensuring that millions of Americans who paid Obamacare's penalties or taxes can reclaim their hard-earned dollars from the IRS. It's making it easier for Americans to deduct more of the cost of their medical expenses, protecting life by prohibiting taxpayer dollars from being used to help purchase insurance plans that currently cover abortion, giving states additional flexibility for their Medicaid program covering traditional adults and children populations while maintaining baseline funding for elderly and disabled populations, giving states the ability to implement optional, reasonable work requirements for able-bodied adults without dependents as part of their Medicaid programs, freezing Obamacare's Medicaid expansion while allowing for a responsible unwinding so that people who enroll before 2020 will continue to be supported by the program, and providing a more generous reimbursement for elderly and disabled Medicare enrollees, recognizing that those populations have unique needs that must be taken care of. After he returned uh, to the White House from the House speaking to the House Republican Conference, the President received his daily intelligence briefing. Then the President signed uh, S-442, the NASA Administration Transition Authorization Act of 2017, acting on another of uh, the President's most ambitious promises to the American people. Uh, Many may recall in his joint address, the President said, quote, American footprints on distant worlds are not too big of a dream, end quote. And with this bill, He is taking the latest step towards making that dream a reality by reiterating NASA's mission to ensure America remains a leader in space exploration. This bipartisan, bicameral legislation provides NASA with the full support it needs to fulfill this and many other important missions, including supporting NASA's plan to explore deep space and sending astronauts to Mars, including an endorsement of launching the Mars 2020 rover. The rover will explore a site that is likely to have been habitable seeking signs of past life and testing compelling samples and techniques for future robotic and eventual human exploration of Mars, reaffirming that NASA remains a fully multi-mission agency with a balanced set of core missions in space science, space technology, aeronautics, human spaceflight, exploration, and education, endorsing NASA's continued progress towards launching the James Webb Telescope which will be a giant leap forward in our ever-evolving quest to understand the universe, and establishing an astronaut occupational healthcare program, something that NASA has considered a priority for years. After the bill signing, the Vice President also announced that the President will be taking action shortly to relaunch the National Space Council, which the Vice President will chair. The President was honored to sign this new bill into law so that NASA can continue its work towards making America the world leader in space exploration once again. Also, this morning, the President hosted, the Vice President rather hosted a breakfast meeting with Prime Minister Al Abadi of Iraq. Uh, We provided a readout on the President's meeting with the Prime Minister yesterday as well, and I believe there has been a readout of the Vice President's as well. Uh, At 3 p.m. this afternoon, the President will meet with members of Congress uh, who are part of the House Tuesday group to discuss the American Health Care Act. And this evening, the President will speak at the National Republican Congressional Committee March Dinner. Over on the Senate side of the Hill, the President's pick for the Supreme Court, Judge Neil Gorsuch, has been doing a phenomenal job in the Senate today during his first day of questioning. The judge's eloquent testimony yesterday was widely praised from both sides of the aisle, and it's clear that everyone agrees uh, from a broad spectrum that Judge Gorsuch is a very qualified person to serve on the Supreme Court. As the judge noted today, quote, a judge is there to make sure that every person, poor or rich, mighty or meek, gets equal protection under the law, end quote. His records show that he's lived up to this commitment throughout his entire career, and he's continuing to prove that he's exactly the type of jurist we need on the Supreme Court throughout the questioning that's started today. Today is also National Agriculture Day, for those who are keeping note. The world needs America's farmers and ranchers to lead, just as the world needs America to lead. Global food demand is expected to increase by 50 to 97 percent by 2050. The world can't afford for America's farmers and ranchers to retreat. But the agriculture industry has met its share of challenges in recent years. While our farmers are the most efficient in the world, margins have been tightening, regulations have been multiplying, and exports, which has historically accounted for over one-fifth of U.S. farm production, have been declining due to unwise trade policies. The President promised the many people in the agriculture industry and throughout rural America that he would not allow this to continue, and he will continue to pursue policy changes that will reverse this disturbing trend. Quickly, in terms of follow-up from yesterday, I was asked about North Korea, and I want to provide a quick update from the NSC. Quote, the United States, in coordination with our allies, is exploring a new range of diplomatic, security, and economic measures in response to the grave and escalating threat posed by North Korea's nuclear and ballistic missile programs, end quote. And before I uh, open it up for questions, let me just run through a few scheduling updates. Uh, tomorrow, the President will stop by the Women in Health Care uh, panel hosted by CMS Administrator Seema Verma. There will also be a series of meetings with members of Congress tomorrow. In the morning, the President will meet with members uh, to discuss the American Health Care Act. And in the afternoon, he will meet with congressional members of the Congressional Black Caucus. On Thursday, the President will have lunch with Secretary of Treasury Mnuchin before hosting a, a meeting with truckers and representatives uh, from trucking companies on health care that we discussed yesterday. Uh, in many states throughout their country, trucking happens to be the, one of the largest employers, and it's important to understand the impact of healthcare legislation on this important industry. Um, I'll have updates on the weekend schedule for you uh, hopefully tomorrow. And finally, yesterday, pursuant to the President's executive order on interior enforcement that he signed on January 25th, the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement uh, Agency, ICE, released its first weekly list of detainee request requests. Which local law enforcement agencies have failed to comply with these examples, where criminal illegals who have been arrested or convicted in many cases of serious and violent crimes threaten public safety. In each instance, local law enforcement is refusing to cooperate with ICE in its efforts to remove uh, illegal immigrants who have committed a crime. Um, it is part of the president's continued efforts to keep our community safe. A copy of this report is available on the on the ICE website that details all of the. Uh, municipalities where there has been an issue, uh, and the crime that has been committed and the person, uh, and and not necessarily the person's name, but the offense in which they were convicted for. And with that, I'd be glad to take your questions since we're talking Supreme Court. John Roberts. Come on. That was good.
0: Not bad. Unless there's an Alito in the uh, audience
3: (laughs) <laughs> um, on on health care, the president
1: came away from Capitol Hill sounding pretty positive yeah. uh, about where he was going to go on Thursday. But then at the same time, Heritage Action came out and said it was going to encourage uh, members to vote no. Club for Growth is taking out ads, attacking this bill. Jim Jordan said the president's great, but it's still a bad bill. This is going to go to a vote day after tomorrow. What gives the president the sense of optimism that he can get this through, and might he request more changes from Speaker Ryan before it goes to a vote?
3: Well, I I think we've talked about this for days. There's been a lot of um, input from members of Congress. Um, And I think that the meeting this morning um, really was a a huge sign of support. Uh, There was a lot of enthusiasm and uh, optimism. Uh, not just for the bill itself, but for something that, as I noted, conservatives and Republicans and a lot of Democrats, frankly, have been fighting for for a while, which is a, a more patient-centric health care system. I think the, the President's continued to engage with members. Uh, he will continue to do that all the way through Thursday. Um, but we, the, as I also noted, there were a lot of changes that were made uh, by the Speaker last night. Uh, additional legislation, the three-prong approach that we've talked about in the past has been put forward to to actually m- make sure that members understood the comprehensive nature of this. This is one vehicle. There's a huge administrative piece that Secretary Price will administer through administrative action that was given to him when they passed this bill. and. Uh, gave that authority to Kathleen Sebelius, then the the Secretary of Health and Human Services to implement pieces that they couldn't get done legislatively. We can now unwind a lot of that and add a lot of consumer-based and and, uh, competition measures through the administrative thing. But then the third prong, all of the other stuff that we've talked about for years as Republicans, buying across state lines, expanding health savings accounts, et cetera, et cetera, all of that has now been introduced as well. Um, And I think that He continues to meet with members and walk away with a very, very um, optimistic view of where the the bill is headed. I think a lot of the measures that have been changed uh, and tweaked and updated uh, have assuaged members who had concerns or wanted to see some additional tightening. But keep in mind, if you are a conservative, who has been fighting for repeal and replace, this is your chance. If you are a conservative who has been looking to address um, out-of-control entitlement spending, this is the first attempt, this is the first um, reform of an entitlement program in terms of Medicaid in 30 years. These these are a truly conservative set of principles that we are fighting for. The competition that's in the bill, um, the, the, the ability to allow um, prices to come down and choice to go up, there's nothing more conservative than is in this bill. And I think as members continue to talk about ideas that have been included in this bill and the principles of it, uh, we feel very good going into the final but stretch.
1: So may he seek more changes in order to further assuage. Uh, it's House possible, Senate but, Senate but I think
3: that it, we've made some very positive steps forward. So I don't want to, you know, rule anything out Um but I will say that I feel very good about this where it stands now, and I think the more and more that members meet with the President, the more they, uh, they understand how important this is to the overall agenda that we're seeking to pass. And I think if we can, as the President noted this morning to members, if you can repeal Obamacare, replace it with a health care system that does what conservatives and independents and, frankly, some Democrats have talked about it for years, that does exactly that kind of thing: instill choice, drive down costs, allows people to actually get care that they've been promised, and then get on to things like tax reform. We will have a, an amazing first year in office, and I think the president reminded them this is the first step in an amazing agenda that uh, that he set forth and that we can work together on. Sean. Amen. Thanks, John.
0: Uh, members of this administration have talked about the stock market as a real-time barometer for how the administration
3: is performing. This
0: afternoon, though, the stock market has been off as much as 200 points on the Dow. Uh, Some commentators on Wall Street are suggesting that's because traders are starting to sense a lack of progress in the Trump legislative agenda, worried that he might not be able to accomplish everything he set out to do. Does the President believe that today's dip in the Dow uh, is a result of his performance as President of the United States?
3: Well, I I think to look at any one day is... is is nothing that we've ever we've always cautioned. Um, I think overall it still continues to be up tremendously. And I think when you look at not just that one indicator, I think if you want to get a – I mean, you probably know better than anybody in terms of what you guys cover um, that you can't look at one indices and say that that is the, the benchmark of an entire economy, but you see confidence levels both in small business and in other surveys that show that there is continued um, – confidence in the market and optimism in the market, you see manufacturers coming back to America talking about investment, um, major CEOs and small businesses trying to grow the economy and talk about job creation. Uh, those are the real indicators. And again, I think the, the numbers that we saw last month, again, one month isn't uh, is not make a record. But I think that it was very promising, not just because of what the number was, but what it had been forecast to be, right? So it was expected to be 200,000, came in at 235. Um, so, again, when you're overperforming, um, I think that shows a sign of, 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 of optimism and confidence in the market. I think, again, I just want to make sure that we're clear before we go into a, you know, as we continue through the months. One report does not make our, uh, something to, to base an entire record off of. But I think that we feel very good about where things are headed and the direction things are going, not just in terms of the indices and, and the ups and downs of the market, but also in terms of the number of manufacturers that are walking in and restating their commitment to grow jobs, expand, etc., in, in the market. The market
0: still have that, that confidence that uh, President Trump will be able to get a tax cut done uh, this year that would be in place for next year? Yeah, Is and, that and I, look, I think we
3: we're well on our way to seeing this agenda done. The <laughs> president rolled out the budget, um, which I think reaffirmed his commitment to fiscal austerity and to the priorities he set out of defending this country, um, making the the increases in national national defense and homeland security that he promised prioritizing other things in the budget. We've got Obamacare done on immigration, executive order-wise. And and I think that when you're doing big things, Obamacare, tax reform, I mean, the, the health care system is a fifth of the economy. That's no small feat. And I think in terms of what you've seen so far, going through three three committees, moving along, the Senate ready to take it up, his pick of, of Neil Gorsuch. Uh, the agenda is moving along at a very brisk pace in terms of what his priorities were and, and where I, I, I think we're headed.
2: Uh, Last month, I guess you talked about the consideration potentially of a carbon tax, which I guess was discussed in the meeting uh, at the White House. Uh, We're hearing some reports that there's a a pretty uh, lively internal debate. Gary Cohn might be someone who's more
0: uh,
2: prone to that. Can you just discuss, is the President considering a carbon tax, and and what are sort of the various opinions that are going on in the White House? I, I
3: think there's a robust debate going on with respect to comprehensive tax reform. Um, And as we've mentioned, I mean, our goal right now is to get through Thursday, um, and that's what the President has talked about very publicly. We need to get uh, Obamacare repealed and replaced and move on to tax reform and some of the other trade reviews that we've talked about, immigration. There's a lot of things on the agenda, but I'm not going to comment on specific prongs of that. I will just tell you that obviously there's a lot of people who recognize that we haven't had comprehensive tax reform since 1986, and that there's a lot of pieces in this that we need to to examine and get to, and there's a lot of voices and opinions that get shared with him. And so, so I'm not at a position where I'm going to get into commenting on, on piecemeal on, on where it is. But I will say uh, that's even more reason that we let's get past Thursday. Uh, you know, when you look at the week ahead, real quick, Glenn, you, you, in terms of this, the, the, the repeal and replace aspect in, in Gorsuch, I think from a legislative standpoint, going back to Eamon's question, I, I think it's a pretty pretty big week for the White House to seeing all this done, Hunter.
4: Thank you, Sean. Uh, President Trump has previously indicated that he wanted to appoint pro-life judges who would be willing to overturn Roe versus Wade. Um, Yet in his testimony today, Judge Gorsuch said he would have walked out the door if President Trump asked if he had this position. Is President Trump still confident that Judge Gorsuch would be willing to overturn Roe versus Wade? And is this
3: position still important to him? I think the president's comments speak for themselves. I think the president's list that he's put out on 20 are jurists that both the Federalist Society and Heritage have deemed uh, to be people who interpret the Constitution uh, as originalists, as people who aren't looking to legislate from the bench. And I'm not going to take the bait during a live hearing to comment on that, but I appreciate the effort. Ronica.
4: Thank you, Sean. I have two questions on the same story. Uh, recently, a 14 year old girl she was raped uh, in the boys' bathroom of her high school. A 17 and 18 year old boy have been charged. One of the boys we know unlawfully entered the country. Both of them have outstanding orders with ICE. So here's my first question about it. Currently, schools are prohibited from denying access to public education based on immigration status. Does the president hear a story like that and think that it should change or be addressed in a future executive
3: order? I think, uh, first, let me just say that. Um, This is a tragic event, and it's horrendous and horrible and disgusting what this young woman in Rockville went through. Um, I can't possibly imagine. Um, So first of all, let's remember the human side of this, that this is uh, a tragic event um, that no child, no person, no parent should ever have to deal with. Schools should be a place where a parent puts their child on a bus or drops them off or sees them off and knows that they're safe. And the idea that this occurred um, is shocking, disturbing, horrific, and whatever other words that come to mind that, that someone can think of. Because this is not, schools should be a safe place where children are there to learn and to feel safe um, in, in that kind of environment. And to know that this happened in the circumstances, this young woman in particular fought to come to this country legally because of the, the freedoms and the treasures of this nation. And to think that this kind of tragedy would um, would occur to someone who's personally endured that kind of struggle to come to this nation and then face this is, is reprehensible, um, and it is not who we are as a country. I think it is troubling, and uh, I, I think further to your question, um, the president recognizes that uh, education is a state-run and a local-run issue, but I think it is it is for concern what happened there, and I think. Uh, the city should look at its policies, um, and um, and I think that this is something that authorities are going to have to look at. I think from an immigration standpoint, clearly to see somebody th- – There's so many facets of this case that deserve question. Why was there uh, – I think he was 17 or 18 years old – 18, thank you – and how does that person get put into the ninth grade? Why was – I mean, there are so many issues that come up in this case. I I will leave it to authorities to get through, but I think that we are in the early stages of this, and there's a lot that needs to get addressed with respect to this case in particular.
4: So I hear you about it being a state issue. Uh, Let's talk about something, though, that the President has implemented and introduced voice. Is voice victims of immigration crime enforcement? Is that enough to support a- No. No, no, no. It's one
3: piece. The President understands that victims need a voice, which is why he brought it in there to help them um, when they're specifically targeted. Or victims of a crime by people who are here illegally. But I think part of the reason that the president has made illegal immigration and crackdown such a big deal is because of tragedies like this. We act so many times when we talk about this and say, well, you know, is the president going to? How is the president? You know, wh- why is the president dealing with this and because of this priority? Well, part of the reason is because of the tragedy that this young girl dealt with, had to, had inflicted upon her, whatever the word is. But th- this is. This is why he's passionate about this, because people are victims of these crimes in terms of them. They're victims of the economic pieces. There's a national security. impact, But immigration pays its toll on our people if it's, done, if it's not done legally. And this is another example, and it's why the president's so passionate about this. But he recognizes that it's multifaceted, why we have to be tough at the border, why I just read off that, that this executive order is dealing with people who have committed crimes who local enforcement agencies or municipalities or at the state level are not dealing with it. And if you go to the the ICE website and download this, you'll see it's over 30-something pages of cases where there's a person that is convicted of a crime that local people, local municipal law enforcement, for whatever reason, and in some cases they're prohibited, but for one reason or another, are not enforcing the law and not turning that individual over to federal authorities to be di- to be deported. And I think this is another example of why this issue needs to be addressed, John.
4: Um, Sean, is the president going to hold Republicans who vote against health care accountable? Are they going to pay a price? I think if they vote against this bill.
3: I think they'll probably pay a price at home. Um, meaning, I think that you can't go promise over and over again, since 2010, in the case that the members have been there that long, but at least for those who have been there that long, and at least, and and even the new ones, this was a major component of, of the last election. And I think there was probably not a single Republican member in itself who went out and talked about this. And I think when you realize the components of this bill, and that the President worked with the House and the Senate to put something together that achieved a promise that was made to voters, Yeah. I think there's going to be a price to be paid, but it's going to be with their own voters. And they're going to have to go back and explain to them why they made a commitment to them um, and then didn't follow through. And one of the things that's interesting is that people who agree or don't agree with the President in terms of his legislative agenda, at least give them high marks, regardless of whether or not they subscribe to his, his agenda, for keeping his word and his promises. And I think that's one of the things that he's made very clear this morning. We pledge to the American people at the congressional level, at the Senate level, at the federal, at the at the presidential level, to go do something, and this bill, um, while it probably not everybody got everything they wanted, does exactly what we said. It's repealing it and replacing it with all of the principles and the aspects that we discussed throughout not only last cycle but in a lot of these cases back through two thousand and ten. Margaret, will he we campaign against those Republicans? I, I, let's let's get through the vote. I think one of the things that he made clear this morning um, was that he was going to make sure that the people who who did support this, he would be out there supporting them, um, and so I'm not going to focus on on the negative as much as the positive today, and he made it clear to members that for those of you who go out there and, and keep your word and support it, we're going to make sure that we remember those who, who stood by us uh, and who stood by the word that they gave to their voters. Margaret. Hey,
4: um, okay, so I was actually – that's what I was going to ask, but let me try. Oh. No, it's okay. I've got another one. Uh, so my other one, my other one, but I'm going to go back to that, is um, on the laptop restrictions yeah. uh, by the U.S. and now the U.K., it certainly sounds like that may have been a response to some kind of a specific security threat. What can you talk about from the podium uh, in as much specificity as you can? And if you can't do specifics, um, at least help us to understand: Are there multiple threats? Is there one threat? What con- are there multiple? Con- like, what is going on? Here? Yeah.
3: So yesterday, the TSA announced new enhanced measures on flights inbound to the United States from 10 of more than the 250 countries that have flights coming into the United States uh, that serve as the last point of departure. I think even ranking member of the House Intelligence Committee, Adam Schiff, who we've not always shared the same point of view with, even agreed by saying, quote, these steps are both necessary and proportional to the threat. Um, Elevated um, intelligence that we're aware of indicates that terrorist groups continue to target commercial aviation and are aggressive in pursuing Um, innovative methods to undertake their attacks to include smuggling of explosive devices and various consumer objects. Based on this information, the Secretary of Homeland Security and the TSA Administrator have determined that it is necessary to enhance um, security procedures for passengers at certain last point of departure airports. Uh, That being said, uh, I'm not going to go any further than that. I would refer any further comment uh, to the TSA. Can I uh, try what I was going to try earlier then? Uh,
4: Mark Meadows (laughs) he <laughs> seems like a nice guy, and uh, uh, the President seemed like he was kind of joking, but has the President decided in his own mind yet whether he thinks it would be appropriate, potentially, to uh, mount a primary opposition campaigns for primary opposition in Republican congressional primaries in the well, uh,
3: Mark Meadows uh, is a, it was a long-time early supporter of the President. Mm-hmm. Uh, he had some fun with at his expense this morning um, during the conference meeting. Um, and, he, and I think uh, he continued to, to express hope that uh, Congressman Meadows, who's the head of the Freedom Caucus, uh, would continue to see the efforts that uh, have been made to make this better, more, uh, and address a lot of the concerns out there. Uh, but he has made it very clear that he was he was having fun with him. Uh, the president's committed to making sure that this gets passed. Uh, we'll go from there, Vivian.
0: Um, Thanks, John. First, a follow-up to Margaret's question. Um, Why wait for the new aviation regulations 96 hours um, to implement it? I mean, isn't the President's monster on counterterrorism that we have to, you know, kind of sneak up on our enemies, not let let them know our tactics?
3: So um, I'm going to ultimately refer you back to TSA, but I will tell you that remember that these are 10 – um, airports of, deep, of last point of departure to the United States out of 250 that come here. Part of it is to allow, you have to uh, provide appropriate notification to the host country, to the host airlines, uh, and give them opportunity to get those procedures in place. I'm not going to comment any further about the, uh, the security measures that have been or are have been taking place or are taking place, just to continue to refer you back to TSA. But I, I will tell you that I, I think that implementing something of this nature um, in that time frame is pretty darn quick.
0: Okay. One more, sorry. Follow-up. Sorry. Something totally unrelated. Um, I wanted to ask, has the White House counsel approved Ivanka Trump uh, getting a West Wing office and clearance? And so what is the administration's thinking behind this? What is she going to I don't, I don't think the
3: council actually approves office space, but I get your question. Right. Um, Ivanka has taken on several measures to promote high standards of ethical conduct. Even though she's not a federal employee, she'll follow the restrictions that would apply if she were. Mm-hmm. She's taken these steps with the advice of, cons- of council and in consultation with the Office of Government Ethics. Haley. Sure, two
0: quick ones for you, one on health to follow up on the follow-ups. Um, he, you made very clear that the President was going to be supporting those who supported the bill, and right. I, I don't want to talk about the flip side of the yeah. coin, but when he talked this morning in the closed-door meeting about people paying a price, losing seats, right. not getting majority. Is that an implied threat from the President to these members who don't back this bill?
3: No, I think it's a political reality. Um, I think if you go out and promise the American people something in your vote or something, especially on a scale like this, and frankly, as I said, I mean, I'm not, there's obviously members that have been there one term, two terms, three terms, but this is something that as a party we've made very clear. If you give us this American people, we will get this done. And I think that to go and make a promise of and a pledge of this magnitude and not to follow it through, um, I'm sure that voters would be upset. And we've seen this in the past, I think. um, And it's something that that I think the President, as I mentioned earlier, has staked, you know, has, has earned high marks for, is keeping his word. And I think the President was stating a political reality. If we go out there and make these pledges to the American people and don't do what we said we've done on these big things then I don't think they're going to continue to want to see us in the majority, and they're going to look for an alternative. The
0: second, just a follow-up. Yeah. Will, uh, will he remember the names of those who don't back the ghost?
3: <laughs> we'll see. John Gizzi. But, uh,
0: actually, I do a second I, actual topic. I just no, want that to was actual, on yesterday. I, just I to love your that.
3: counting. It's like um. CBO. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: <laughs>
3: Sorry, 100%. CBO. I, come on, that was... Do
0: you want to elaborate on that? <laughs> no, I don't. Go ahead. Uh, I do want to ask about the Russia testimony from yesterday. I know you obviously addressed it from the podium yeah. 24 hours ago. But there was sort of this this interesting moment that happened a little bit after the briefing where Director Comey was asked about sort of live tweets coming from the President and his account at the same time that the hearing was happening. And Director Comey was fact-checking the President in real time, essentially saying he was incorrect in what he was tweeting. Is there concern on the part of the White House about the president's credibility in that situation? That the, his own director is correcting his tweets and what he's saying in real time like that?
3: Well, I mean, let's just be clear. I mean, he was answering questions. Uh, I mean, it's not like he was out there; he was he was responding to a question. But I, again, I just I think it's important to note with respect to this that the, the you know, and I, I saw a couple of comments yesterday, uh, Senator Coons took issue with a couple of the comments that we made. Let me just read to you. I know you guys love this when I do this, so I'm just going to entertain you for a second. Senator Chris Coons, this is his quote, direct quote, quote, I have no hard evidence of collusion, end quote. Director Clapper, quote, not to my knowledge, end quote. Uh, Senator Tom Cotton, quote, not that I've seen and not that I'm aware of. This is in reference to um, any type of collusion with Russia that occurred. Obama, CIA director, acting CIA director Morrell, uh, quote, there's smoke, but there's no fire. Senator Chuck Gratzley, after the Comey briefing, Doc, I can say at POTUS and at Clapper are both right. No evidence of Trump collusion with the left. So, you know, we, we, we've, we've now gone over this on multiple occasions. But at some point, there is a distinction between an investigation that it goes into Russia's involvement in 2016 and this continued narrative that falsely tries to link the Trump, the president or the White House into any of it. They continue to see that there is nothing there. Every single person who has been briefed, who has come out and publicly talked about it, Republican, Democrat, former DNI, former CIA directors, Obama appointees, have said no evidence. And so I get that it, we keep getting That's asked.
4: Like my I, but but
3: I, I mean, my point is, is that that was one of the tweets, though, that he, that he addressed. He said, you know, former DNI continues to know. And that was actually true. These are their quotes. This is what they've said So it's not a question I think sometimes you come back to us. At some point, the question has to be to the individuals who've said this, to whether it's Chris Coons from Delaware or former Director Clapper or former CIA Acting Director Morrell. They're the ones who've said these things on the record. They're the ones who've been briefed by the intelligence community, by the FBI, and come out and said there is no collusion. And so at some point, to to fact-check the president for merely quoting them is, is not, it, the, the question should be directed at them, not us. But over and over again, it's come to the same conclusion. So, Caitlin.
1: Sean,
3: oh, you, All right, John. We'll then Caitlin. The well, that was very nice of you. Okay. It's National Ag Day afterwards. No. Go
4: ahead. Go ahead. All right. All right, first. Go first. Oh
1: my. Thank you, Sean. Uh, thank you, Caitlin. Uh, okay. I have two questions. First, the author, David Horowitz, in his book, The Big Agenda, Uh, writes of what he calls, quote, a deep state, end of quote, in which he said these are Obama holdovers in government who are trying to undercut the president's agenda. Mm -hmm. Uh, This has been widely repeated on social media. Does the president himself believe in this deep state?
3: Well, I've asked this, been asked this question before, and I'll give you the same answer I've given before, which is I think there are people that burrow into the government uh, after an administration. This is going back since the beginning of time. They used to call it ram specking. Uh, It's suddenly no longer permitted, but, you know, in terms of that same way. But this has been going on since the country was, country came to be, uh, where people burrow in after an administration into a a civil servant job. Um, But sure, that there's people after eight years of Obama that found their way into government, so it should be no huge secret. Okay. Yes.
1: Okay. My other question. On
3: ram, specking?
1: ram specking? Oh yeah. Oh, Google it. <laughs> I remember Ram. <laughs> I remember <laughs> when. Have you
3: ever oh, seen my spelling? <laughs> come on. Ram specking. It was named after a four, I mean, we're going to go through a history lesson here, guys.
4: <laughs>
1: Thank you.
3: Right.
1: My other question was uh, over the weekend, uh, Governor Graco Ramirez, the head of the Mexican Governors Association was again in Washington, and in a much publicized statement, said that Mexico had scored its first victory over the proposed wall. Uh, He said that in the President's budget, there's a line item for $2.6 billion in in tax dollars, and no mention of Mexico paying for the wall in any way. He's claimed a victory in that. Your response to Governor Graco Ramirez?
3: Uh, it's a little early to be claiming victory. I think the president's made it clear that uh, that he was going to use the current process to start the, the construction of the wall, uh, and that he would that there would be ways that which that that fulfillment of that pledge would come through. Caitlin, thank
4: you. The administration and the president have repeatedly said that over the next few weeks they will they will present evidence that he was wiretapped. And last week he said it would be coming this week, and he may speak on it this week. Can we expect the President to this week present evidence that he was wiretapped by Barack Obama? Or will he speak about it? Because he didn't mention it last night in his rally in Kentucky.
3: Uh, Well, let's see how the week goes. Margaret. Uh, Sean, when we
4: heard from the President before talk about the need for uh, this health care plan to pass, he's talked about the importance next of tax reform and the rest. At what point do you think that this agenda uh, could be imperiled? Uh, as you look at the the vote count, because you are also going to have a further fight, of course, to get any of this through the Senate.
3: Sorry, so so at what point will the vote count?
4: This seems to be such a centerpiece of the rest of the president's agenda. Mm -hmm. So given that it's still not any, there's no certainty in terms of passage at this point, I mean, how concerned are you that Thursday could imperil the president's agenda?
3: Well, I, I think it's, I mean, the president's visit this morning was very well received. I think we continue down the path to get the votes. Uh, we got a ways to go. We got to get to the Senate next, but I think members understand that this is uh, this is something that has been at the heart of what Republicans have campaigned on. And I feel we feel, excuse me, I feel very good headed into this. Uh, the president continues to talk to members, and we're going to make sure that we grow the vote as much as we can. Uh, but with respect to the rest of the agenda, um, I think all of the issues that the president campaigned on are things that the House and the Senate both look forward to taking up. There's, uh, whether it's trade or immigration or comprehensive tax reform, all of these issues are stuff that uh, many Republicans have campaigned on for a long time and are eager to get going. The President's made it very clear, as he did last night as well, that, look, part of the we, we've got to keep moving along if we want to get big things done. Um, there's a lot that can get done during this administration during the first term, and he wants to get as much of it done as possible. And so the quicker we get, repeal and replace done and, and put the American Health Act in place, uh, the better. And, and that's I mean, that's just the nature of it is. But I think when you look at the speed in which we've moved, it's been very responsible. We've allowed the committees to do their work their will. Um, the, the House has taken up the amendments. Uh, it's been online. I mean, so this is – I think you've got to – there's always a balance between jamming it down and getting it done and over with, which is how the, the Democrats operated at one point when they legislated when they when they finally moved on their bill versus how this is done. But I think we've struck in a, a very nice balance on this. At
4: which point will it be Trump care? The President said today it could happen,
0: we asked during the photo uh, we'll, we'll have to see. I, I, I <laughs> right
3: now it's, it's the American Health Care Act and we're trying to get it done. Anita
0: a few questions. Um, first, the Kansas legislature is on the verge of possibly passing a Medicaid expansion, and the current version of the health care bill does not allow states to pass that. Mm-hmm. And so I'm wondering, um, as you know, most legislatures are currently meeting across the country. Will there be an exception for states if they expand before any new bill comes
3: in? I, it, it, it would be addressed in the legislation. I don't believe there's an exception clause. So I don't, but I also don't, it would be far be it for me to say at this point, I mean, the bill is getting ready to move to the House, the legislature's meeting. I, I don't want to prejudge the outcome yet, but I don't believe from my understanding that there's any kind of, like, clause that says if.
0: And then secondly, um, tomorrow you mentioned the Congressional Black Caucus. Is there a specific topic, um, health care, five topics? What, what can you tell us about the President's message to them? And, and how did it come about? I know there's been some back and forth on um, getting a meeting going. How did that come about?
3: <laughs> she, April's, April's about to, awesome. <laughs> yeah, they, okay, stop. don't drag <laughs> April into this. <laughs> um, 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 this has been something that the, the president's talked about for a while. Um, he met with Congressman Elijah Cummings. He started off in a phone call um, probably a month or so ago where they discussed prescription drugs and we need to get it down. And then the conversation continued. Our legislative affairs team um, early on went to um, some of their meetings and started having a dialogue with them. Uh, and that dialogue continued, and um, and there was a desire to have a meeting. The president wanted to have him down. I think there's going to be a range of issues that get discussed, um, that range from drug prices to uh, infrastructure investment and in education, HBCUs. Um, there'll be a range, and I think that's that's part of it. There's no set agenda uh, to say we must talk about these things. And obviously, I think healthcare is going to come up too. The president wants to get um, get their idea before April jumps out of her seat. I'll give her.
2: For giving me a follow-up. Um, I want to follow up on the CBC, and I have another question on another subject. Um, so with the CBC, since you're saying you you, you went through all of this um, prior to the fact that you became president, that there was an effort to reach out to the CBC. Mm-hmm. So with all of this understanding that they are an important group to deal with in handling some of the issues, the urban issues, or issues that pertain to their community. How does the president plan to move forward in working with them, particularly as some just don't see eye-to-eye with with
3: him? I think part of this is it continues to to have a dialogue, April. I mean, it's simply sitting down with people, talking about issues, talking about common ground. I think if you look at the conversation that he began and continued with Congressman Elijah Cummings, um, they found common ground. The president talked about areas where, despite some of the, the narratives that are out there, they there are issues that they probably both share a concern for and that they can work on together. And maybe they won't agree on 100 percent or 60 percent, but maybe there's 15, 20 or 30 percent of the issues. Maybe there's one bill in particular that they can work on. Um, but there's a willingness to sit down and talk. And I think that's the first step in, um, in the process of any of these. It's not just your own party. And the president's shown this. Um, on several of these meetings, where it's not just business leaders, he's brought in the union leaders. He talked about healthcare yesterday, he had Dr. Zeke Emanuel in. It's not about just bringing in people who agree with you, it's about people uh, across the spectrum who can offer ideas. And the president's, you know, and I, I get it that inner cities aren't exclusive, the rebuilding of inner cities aren't the only issue, but he's talked about, he's elevated. Um, the status of historically black colleges and universities, bringing that office into the White House to help coordinate some of the federal government activities. He's talked about rebuilding the inner cities. He's talked about school choice. A lot of issues that law and order and and healthcare And there's issues that impact um, urban areas, minority communities, um, whether they live in, in rural areas or urban areas, but I think that that dialogue needs to continue because it can only help, and I think that, that that's what we look forward to tomorrow.
2: And the second subject, as you're talking about bringing in groups, you're also bringing in the truckers. And there is a concern in the trucking industry about something called e-logs. It's going to happen at the end of the year where uh, truckers, be it uh, truckers with commercial trucks or mom-and-pop businesses, all of them are going to have to have computers to log in to monitor the time you drive, the stop and speed, etc. And many people are saying that it cuts into... Their income. What does the president stand on that? And I know he's meeting. About yeah, I,
3: I think let, let's see how, if that comes up in the meeting, and then I'll read out. But I but know I, I understand meeting. that's more of a DOT issue, um, so I would refer you to the Department of, of Transportation.
2: They're very concerned about it. Would he at least? I, I understand that,
3: and I and I hope that that comes up. Jeff Mason. Uh, Sean, a
2: follow up on the
3: DHS uh, airline issue. If
2: there's a danger to Americans or to flyers generally uh, with having laptops or, or things that are bigger than uh, a cell phone in planes from those
3: ten countries why would that not also be a danger for countries? as you can imagine I can't talk about the, the intelligence that we have um, I can just tell you that the steps that are being taken are appropriate commensurate with the intelligence that we have uh, and then refer you to the Department of, of Homeland Security and specifically the Transportation Security Administration okay I too.
2: Okay. Um, the presidents traditionally issue a greeting um, on to those celebrating the Iranian New Year, mm-hmm. Um Will President
3: Trump be doing that today? Uh, let me get back to you. I know that uh, I don't want to get ahead of myself on that, but uh, we, we may have something for you later. I've got I've to check on that. But thank you guys very much. Let's get back to watching Neil Gorsuch, and uh, I will see you tomorrow. We're going to have a week full of briefings. I'm excited. And by the way, I am very happy that, those, that the individual in the press corps who uh, took Tom Brady's jersey, uh, that that has been <laughs> returned properly. Another bat on the press, but uh, we have righted that wrong. Thank you.